And welcome back to Kidmin Talk. This is episode number 98. That's right, number 98. We're we are speeding toward that 100th episode, and I'm so encouraged by those of you who have told me that you have listened to every single one. Well, this one is going to be an amazing one. It's sponsored by the Kidmin Conference. I am so excited that I'm going to get to be at the Kidmin Conference and even more excited about the topics I get to talk about. I'm going to be doing some workshops on creativity. And so I thought, who better to bring on Kidman Talk than one of the most creative people I know. His name is Johnny Mobley, also known as Johnny Magic in the Indianapolis area. And we're going to have a Kidman conversation about creativity. All right. And those of you who think you are creative, we hope by the end of today's podcast, you're going to be ready, encouraged, and excited to unleash your own creativity. So wherever you are, driving in your car, in your office, at home, get ready for some Kidman talk. Hey, Johnny, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, Johnny is a creative guy. Uh, We met way back and uh, have gotten to do some magic shows together. In Mm -hmm. fact, uh, one of the most creative things we did, um, I'm going to start out by telling about that, Johnny, because that was so much fun. I got hired by a church um, in Rockford. It was a big church, and um, they wanted me to come out, and they totally were excited I was coming. They offered me like a ridiculously high honorarium and said, we just want to pack out the sanctuary and um, and do the best magic show ever. And I was going, oh boy, of course I love a, a nice paycheck, always helps with the family. But I I actually didn't know that I could live up to what they were, were wanting and expecting. So I called my buddy Johnny and I said, hey, have you ever done like a a two-man magic show, and uh, he was game, and uh, but I was coming from one direction, he was driving up from Indianapolis, so without even planning the show ahead of time, we showed up with like all our stuff, yeah, and then we like planned this show, and it would take the whole podcast to tell you about it, but we made it like a, um, a dueling magicians, uh, the spoof was that we both had booked the same show on the same day, we got our pieces yep. of paper out. And so we kept trying to trick each other into leaving with your cars being towed and your rabbit ran away. And one of us would run out of the sanctuary and the other would take over. And then um, finally, we kind of made peace. We did dueling zombie balls. And uh, that was that was a ton of fun. Yeah, it was. In fact, you got, took- your, you got your first TV appearance out of that, didn't you? I did. I, I owe you many thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, they offered me a TV appearance at what? three or four in the morning with a recording. And I said, you know what? I'm an yeah. old man. And that was over 10 years ago. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I, I know this young guy and you, you did a great job. You did better than I, than I would have done. So I, I gave that to, to young Johnny, younger Johnny, you're still young Johnny. And, um, and so he did it and he did some card magic. I just woke, set my alarm for 6am, got up, watched him hit yep. it out of the park and then went back to sleep. <laughs> but that was a lot of fun. So uh, anyway, we're going to be talking about creativity today because um, the Kidman Conference, is, which is put on by Group Publishing, you can go to KidmanConference.com, learn about it. A lot of great people are going to be there. Uh, Max um, uh, Lucado, Luke, um, uh, Lu, um, I'm just kidding. Ah. Everyone knows that guy. I was, <laughs> I was teasing with my staff because we did a promo with Max Lucado, and I was like, who's this Max Lacadu? Lacam? But uh, everybody knows who he is. But he's going to be there. Um, a lot of other uh, great presenters and speakers. And so I feel so honored to uh, be able to come. But what I love about it is that these workshops are not just an hour long. A lot of times you go somewhere and you kind of feel like you're breathing from the 
or breathing. Hopefully not breathing from the fire hydrant. Drinking from the fire hydrant. Because <laughs> you get all this information and then you leave there and you're like, okay, what do I do with it? So I'm looking forward to having some time to yes. talk about creativity, talk about adding pizzazz to your lesson, talking about some of the other topics that I'll be doing, all that are creative in nature. and But then actually giving the attendees some time to break into groups, do the material, chew on the material, and actually leave there with some creative ideas that they came up with, not just... Boy, here's ten things that Carl said. You know. Yeah, and you gave me that sneak preview of your outline, and it's some good stuff. They are they are gonna go away happy. Awesome, I know that awesome. Sure. Well, Johnny, someone comes up to you and they say, Johnny, man, you are so creative. I love your show. It's so funny. You know, you make people laugh. I wish I was as creative as you. What, what, what do you do? To, what do you say to someone who does that? Oh man. Well, <laughs> first of all, I'm honored, and and I've had the privilege to uh, do it for a long time, right? And anything we do it for a long time, we start to get better at. That's and, right. And, and yes, their instinct is to want to be able to turn it on that day and replicate it, but it wasn't that way for me, and I don't expect, and they shouldn't expect to be able to do that for themselves. No, I watch videos, like VHS tapes, of me doing magic shows in high school or younger, and yeah. I honestly think, why did they encourage this guy? Like... <laughs> Like they are so bad, and I think who who were the idiots that said, "Good job, Carl. Good job." They should have said, uh, "Carl, you know, there's other lines of work out there <laughs> that you may want to consider." You know, but that encouragement, you know, kept me going. Yeah, yeah, and I, what I remind them, and and this is true with so many different industries, even though you wouldn't expect it, is my show actually didn't get. It didn't become very entertaining and very fun until I started to play. And I learned this from a coach when I was describing my magic show and wanting to make it better. And she said, well, John, it sounds like you play with the audience. And I, I, didn't, I didn't even realize I was doing that cool. until she labeled it. And once I knew it was play, that changed everything. You know, when I one of my first real gigs that I got as a college student, I mean, I'd done birthday parties and some gospel shows in high school. But when I got downtown Chicago as a moody student, I went out and I got a restaurant gig. So I was now the house magician, you know, at a okay. restaurant in downtown Chicago. And so yeah. then I started learning. That's when I started learning close-up magic, getting good at coins and cards and things like that. But the, the restaurant, you'll laugh. It was a McDonald's, okay? But it was a, a very world-famous McDonald's. It had the busiest drive through in the world, and it was called the Rock and Roll McDonald's. They still have it there. They rebuilt it. It's a big, fancy one. But it actually isn't what it used to be. It used to be a 1950s memorabilia McDonald's owned by a, a guy named Angelo Vince, uh, Vincelloni, kind of like a gangster mm. name. Cool guy. Um, so I went table to table um, doing magic. But they had another entertainer. And his name was Mac Man. He was basically like a big, the Big Mac superhero. And he was an African-American fellow. And when I first met him, he kind of drove me nuts because his costume was sloppy. You know, he was overweight. He wouldn't even tuck in his spandex. You know, his cape was all wrinkled. His hair was a mess. And he would mess up all the tricks. You know, his, his, um, his tricks stuck out like a sore thumb. And magicians will know what I mean. Oh, no. And, and, and yet... I started to notice something that in humility I had to recognize. The kids enjoyed him better. Mm. And and I would think, boy, I'm a better magician than him. You know, my tricks are better. My performing's better. My technique is better. I spend hours practicing because I street performed and I made money based on how much I amazed people. And I could make a lot of money on Michigan Avenue that all went toward my school bill. But in the restaurant, I would notice the kids gravitated toward him. 
And it would mm. bother me because as a human in the flesh, I'd be like, hey, I want I want that. I mean, people enjoyed me. I'm not, not trying to say I, you know, I, I was terrible, but sure. I noticed that, that he had something I didn't have. And I was mistaking talent and skill for what was most important. And it finally hit me. He's just having a blast. He's not worried about amazing the kids or impressing the kids. He was just worried about having fun with the kids. And that playfulness, I had to realize, yes. okay, skill's great, but a boring, uh, you know, great magician is not as good as a bumbling, hysterical magician. And I tried to bring them together, you know. But that playfulness is so important. Yeah, and I remember getting feedback from people when I was performing, and they would say, it looked like you had a lot of fun up there. It looked like you were having fun. Yeah. And that always surprised me. I, I, that wasn't the kind of feedback I was looking for. I wanted to say, I wanted them to say, "Oh, that was hilarious" or "That was amazing." Yeah. But they resonated with how I was showing up because it gives them permission to be that way too. Yeah, awesome. So creativity. Um, for those of you out there who are thinking, "Man, I'm not creative," you know, it's nice to listen to two creative guys. We all are creative. I mean, God created us in His image, and part of that image is creativity. I mean, the ability to love is part of that image because love is optional. We have this free will. We can decide what mm. to have for breakfast, you know, what to wear each day. I know I wore a very obnoxiously bright orange shirt today. Some of you might be questioning my judgment. Um, <laughs> but, but the creativity is part of it. I mean, if you look at our lives, I mean, here we're Skyping. You guys are watching this on your computer or your phone. You know, this technology, the human uh, creativity that God's given us is amazing. You know, you look at animals, you know, beaver dams look the same. You know, birds have not figured out how to use the restroom yet. <laughs> so we have to keep looking up. You know, your your dog still, you know, you have to go pick up after them. There's no creativity in animals. They're adorable, not dissing your dog or your cat, you know, or whatever your pet is. Um, but there's no creativity there. It's just instinct. And yet God's given us a, this amazing creativity. So why are some people more creative than others. Well, I believe it's because creativity is like a muscle, all right? Mm. Um, and it needs to be exercised. I mean, you look at people who are physically fit and you can't just go, wow, that's lucky them. They were born that way. They weren't. They've made eating choices. They yeah. Some may go to the gym. They may run. They may bike. Um, you know, they may have uh, ordered Plexus. I don't know. I have all these people trying to get me to buy Plexus. I don't even know what it is. Um, <laughs> now I'm going to get a bunch of emails. Uh, you need to get it. It's awesome. But um, someone put on their Facebook stats this week, can I go to heaven if I don't, you know, buy Plexus? So, <laughs> my, it was Mark Harper. That was pretty funny. But, um, but they do things to get physically fit. And so we have to do things to become creative. The more creative we are, it's probably because we're flexing that muscle. I know I love when I'm a full-time children's pastor like I am now because I actually get more creative because I need to because I have to flex these muscles every week, you know, yes. because someday yes. is a coming. And when I've been full-time kidology, there's blessings to that. I have more time to devote to serving the Kidman community, but I don't have those natural deadlines and it, it hinders my creativity. Yeah, you know? you're right. And I what I find a great way to exercise that muscle is to put yourself in a space where you're like a child, right? And so you don't necessarily have to be creating things and creating things to exercise that muscle. Sometimes it's just putting your mind in a place where it is open to those types of things. And so it's playing games, it's, it's playing characters, it's being goofy with your kids. That is all useful and helpful because it's allowing you to get outside of yourself and to stop second guessing yourself. Because creativity, usually the first thing you come up with 
isn't the most creative, isn't the way to go. But if you've decided that you need to come up with a solution and the solution, that's a lot of pressure, yeah. right? But if you're just playing and your child does this, or you react this way and you're just being in the moment, if you're able to bring that to creativity, then, then you're able to channel just this kind of presence yeah. and this ability to, if I fail or this isn't funny or doesn't work, it doesn't matter. It doesn't stop me. Well, and even recognizing creativity. One thing I love about my son is he's always pointing out creativity. I don't know if he's picked that up from me, but he sees mm. things and will go, Dad, that's so creative. And I'll be like, yeah, that is creative. And I like that he recognizes that. You know, just this week, um, we were somewhere and we noticed they were giving out, they gave balloons to the guests, you know, as a restaurant. And I thought, you know what? That's a cool thing. It's simple. So I went on Amazon. I love Amazon Prime. They're going to have one day Amazon here in Denver soon. I'm worried about that. Because that is dangerous. Because when I can get something in one day, um, you know, usually there's a decision-making process that kind of eliminates that safety gap. Um, but I went on there and I just put in um, helium balloons. I found these really cool smiley emoji balloons. They were super cheap. So I, I put that in my cart. And then I thought, oh, you can't really give a kid a balloon when they show up at church because they're going to have that balloon. It's going to be a distraction. So then I ordered these two-inch smiley stickers. And so I'm going to have our greeters slap that on the visitors and, and then point to the balloons and say, on your way out today, you show them that sticker and you get one of those balloons oh, to go home. You know, nice. But it's recognizing the creativity from someone else and going, how could we incorporate that? And then, and then just acting on it. And whether, whether we'll do that permanently or not, um, but you know, it's, it's just going, how can I do that? How can I modify that? Cause I noticed at the restaurant, they gave it to them on the way out because they gave them to every kid. Well, I can't give a balloon to every kid. So I had to go, okay, I want to give them to guests. Well, I can't have the guests. Care. So you solve those problems, you know, mm. as, as you go, as you go through it. Yeah. Yeah. Too often creativity is just limited to what we see or we hold or these funny props, or we just think about it being colorful and visceral. But yeah, creativity is a great way to solve problems. And I wonder if children's pastors awesome. have any problems. Hmm. <laughs> I think they do. You know, and when we think of creativity, we often think of creativity in teaching. You know, and that yes, yes. that's obviously a huge way. But yes. creativity impacts all of ministry. I mean, it it it's even fits in leadership and solving problems. I know I one of the children's pastors I was coaching. Um, I said, well, what, just give me a practical problem you're facing. That may not be a huge problem, but just a problem, just something you're living with um, yeah. that you don't think is optional, but maybe optional. And um, and she's like, well, we have this one classroom, and the between services, the hallway is just miserably congested, but there's mm. nothing we can do about it because parents are picking up kids to go, um, you know, to go home after first service, but they're also dropping off kids. Um, for the second service and we have to do the secure tags. And so, you know, on the way in, they're getting their tags on the way out. We have to check the tags and, and it's just a door and it's in this hallway. So I'm like, and it was a local person. So I'm like, well, let's, let's go, let's go look at the situation. And so creativity is going, okay, here's a problem, but let's ask some questions. And cause I think creative ideas, um, they don't come out of the blue. You, you know, people think that, you know, you just go, hmm, I need a creative idea, God. And he just, oh, you know, there's, there's, there's this glow. Here, do I have, I have a light here. How do I turn this on? Where's the switch? There we go. You know, oh, it's off over there because I, the, I have the filming. I was going to try and replicate the glow. But that was actually perfect. You wanted that and it didn't happen. <laughs> it didn't happen. So, um, but anyway, they don't come that way. They come in, the, creative ideas are answers to questions. So the real secret to creative ideas is asking the right questions. So you start, you go down to that situation and you say, okay, 
Is there another way that we can, another place that we can do this? No. Is there another way? Is, can we divide these? We have two processes going up. Well, no, there's only one door. Um, could we make another entrance to the room? Oh, how big is the room? Well, it was a long room and you go to the end of the hallway and you go, well, there's a big open space here. Could we put a hole in the wall? You know, what would it cost to put a hole in the wall? Then you end up going to the to the deacons and the pastor or the building committee, whatever, and saying, could we put a hole in the wall over here and add a pickup door so that drop off is at this door, pickups at that door? And it took a little bit of money. It took a little thinking outside the box, congestion problem solved. So that's not a puppet. That's not a magic trick. That's not a creative teaching idea, but it is a creative solution to a problem. And this children's pastor was like, thought that was genius, you know? And I was like, well, it's not genius. It's just being willing to ask all the questions and then be willing to accept bold answers. Because putting a hole in the wall, I mean, creating a door is a bold answer, you know? But it's a solution. And so yes. anytime we face problems, sometimes the question, like when I have my leadership team meetings, I love just asking questions. A lot of times I have an idea, but I came to it really quickly because I've that's an, a muscle I've exercised a lot. And I want to take them to the idea gym. to create. So I just start asking them questions. And I'll just, well, what about this? What about this? Because I'd rather them come up with the same idea, but yeah. I also don't just give them the answer because they often come up with a better idea. Or they'll actually identify problems with my idea that I didn't see. And I can save myself some embarrassment if we come up with the idea together. But asking those key questions um, is, is, is powerful. It's how you solve problems. Yeah. And when you're in that brainstorming, brainstorming session, sometimes the brightest, best ideas will come from the people you least expect because they're, they don't have the constraints that you do. If you're the carpenter, you see all the rules, you know what's possible. Yeah. They don't know those rules. And so they yeah. can. So if you create an atmosphere where every idea is welcome, then they'll be the ones who will feel like they can contribute and you might get a great idea from them. You know, I need to find it and put it in the show notes. But Roger Fields did a video last year. He created a room, a creative space room for mm. his kids, um, kids blitz team. And, uh, and they made couches and, and I was, I was at a, a different church then and I was like, Oh, I wish I had a space at my church to do this. And I didn't. Um, but they, he has got cool chairs and I can't remember if he had a ping pong table or he had a chalkboard wall. Um, but if you have the ability in your ministry to create a space that's yes. playful and fun, um, it makes it can make a huge difference. And then you mentioned the quiet people in your meetings. You're always going to have the dominators, and they're and they're wonderful people, but they're going to naturally mm -hmm. dominate because they're naturally leaders, naturally talkers. If you need to, sometimes you almost have to talk to them privately and say, "Hey, man, I love your energy. I love your passion. I love everything you have to say, but you need to do me a favor after you've shared something. Wait till two or three other people have spoken." Um, before you share your next idea. I only know this because I've gotten that talk myself. <laughs> so I, I'm, 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 I'm qualified and authorized uh, to say that because I've received it. And, uh, and so uh, when I had a pastor tell me that at staff meeting, okay, Carl, once you share an idea, you can't share another idea to three other people have. I'd be the one saying to the youth pastor, so um, what do you think, Jim? And it was because I was dying to share mine. But, but two other people had to share before I could. So, um, but as the leader, you need to do that. You need to look at the quiet person because don't make the mistake that they're not thinking about it. Mm. You know, they don't have a great idea because um, different personality types, and I know you're big into personality types at a, an event we were at recently. You were talking about that. Um, yeah. There's a personality that wants to know, is my idea valid? 
Is it valued? Is it wanted? And they will sit on the, on the gem of an idea because they just want to be asked. And, uh, and it's, it, you know, and to us who like to share that mm-hmm. like annoys us or we can even misread that as, I don't know, pride or selfishness, but it isn't, it's just personality. And, uh, and so I've learned, I need to say, turn to the quiet person and say, so what are you thinking? And they may go nothing or, you know, whatever, but sometimes what comes out, you're like, wow, if I had not asked, you know, yeah. that's so important. And I've realized even as long as I've been doing magic and being creative, I have released the idea that my first 20 ideas even have to be good. Yeah. But you can't you can't say an idea and then declare it good or bad. You just need to keep going. Yeah. Just knowing the 21st idea will be the good one, so you have to come up with 20 to get there. Exactly. Exactly. And a, and a great game to play even with yourself, but more it's more fun with other people is a game called Yes and, right? So create a very fictional problem. We need to get a giraffe into this Sunday school room. And what and you point to somebody and they have to, in a sentence or two, say what happens first. And no matter what they say, you say yes. And, and then you go to the next person. And oh, that's build, great. They just build on the idea. And you, you never say no to anything because you're creating this culture of yes. Yes, and. Yes, and. Yes, and then we'll put it on a slide. Yes, and we'll have two monkeys push him down the slide. Yes, and the monkeys will be wearing suits because they've been dropped out. And no matter what they say, it's just, yeah. yes. And every time... You just, wow, that's so good. That's genius. And you just keep elevating yeah. and people just get this, whoa. Do you know how many children's pastors at their next meeting are going to ask how to get a giraffe <laughs> into this room? That's going to be trending on Twitter, you know, hashtag giraffe in Kidman or something. But yes. uh, no, and, and also, notice, yes, they'll get more creative, yeah. more bizarre, more crazy. And it's not a waste of time because you're freeing people from this box, from this constraint. Instead of measuring the door, imagining the door isn't there or that the building can stretch. It just, it just change. It just takes you into your imagination. Yeah. Well, and games are really powerful. I just bought, um, and I'm, I'm new at the church I'm at now and there isn't a leadership team. There's, there's the children's pastor and there's an early childhood director. And so what I'm just now starting to do is create the flow chart, divine the positions, identify the leaders, and they've got wonderful uh, volunteers. And I've already identified almost every leadership position just based on talking to people. And I can't wait to put this team together. Um, but every ministry I've had that, except for my first one, because that's when I had to learn that I needed one. And mm. um, that's a story for another time or that I've told in past podcasts where I left and it all imploded because it was all me. But... I love starting those meetings with a game. I just bought recently, it was on sale. It was a Pictionary um, board, but it's actually just a small uh, transparent board with a marker so that you can draw on one side and the team, everyone can see on the other side. And I bought that for team meetings. I was like, oh, we're going to play Pictionary at our first team meeting. And um, instead of going up to the whiteboard, we can just do it around a table or something. But just starting out with a game, um, there's a great game. Oh, what's it called? I think it's right over there. I can't see it. It's a game that uh, may come to me. I'll put it in the show notes. It's a game. It's a card game, but the rules keep changing throughout the game. So you keep thinking you're winning, and then a card changes everything, and now you're going for lows, or now you're going for highs. Um, But it's a great object lesson for a team to say, this is ministry. You know, just when we think we're getting ahead, the rules change. You know, senior pastor yeah. adds a service. They add a, po- a new policy. You know, at our church, they um, just redid the whole um, child security policy, and they've added a rule that you have to be 15 to serve in the children's ministry. So they lost some great 14-year-olds, and 
So the early childhood director is kind of like, oh, I had some awesome 14-year-olds, you know, but, the, but you know, that I understand where the policy came from and all that, but that's a that's something that has to be adjusted to. And um, so these games can actually be fun and playful, but they also can help be object lessons on leadership and teamwork and, and just learning to play together um, yes. can be powerful, you know? And if... If we have time, I'd like to even mention three or four things that I like to do when I don't have that team. Okay. Because oftentimes as creative yeah. people or as, as ministry leaders, we're kind of in the room and we have an hour or two to come up with a solution and we don't have the benefit to create you no, know, this go camaraderie. For it. Go for um, it. The first thing I, I want people to remember is that even though creativity feels like a mental thing you have to do, it requires your whole body. And sometimes mm-hmm. um, we start thinking or we'll be still and we look and we think we need to focus and we need to really think about this and look at it from different perspectives when really our whole body needs to have energy. In fact, every time before I even go out and do a magic show, I just start shaking my body like crazy, right? And there's probably some biology to that, getting the blood flowing. You're going to get everything. a good screenshot out of this. <laughs> yeah, but what, what that does is already you're breaking out of the, the norm. And right? the tense, tenseness. Yes, and you know, right now people are looking at me and I'm deciding I'm not going to be self-conscious about this. And so now I'm not going to be self-conscious about my ideas either. My other secret sauce that I do is music. It's all music, not just songs with lyrics. I listen to movie soundtracks. Oh, man, or, that's... Uh, there are sites online with just a bunch of stock music. You don't even need to buy it. Just open it up in the browser and just choose a few different genres, action, comedy, suspense. And I listen to music and I close my eyes sometimes and I say, what would be happening in this scene with this problem? Right? And so the music all of a sudden starts to paint a picture. So drama might not be a good choice. <laughs> the parents all leaving, the kids right. all injured, That's senior not- pastor yelling at me. Deacon's voting me. <laughs> that would not be a good choice. You're right. But it does, it anchors you. Yeah. Which, brings, which brings me to the next one. Sometimes creativity can be really difficult because we have no anchor. And so sometimes creating a boundary or an anchor really helps. So you might say, okay, I have to solve this, but I can only solve it with things I find in the kitchen. Or I have to use a solution that is red. Or the solution has to fit in my pocket. Because these types of constraints, all of a sudden limit your choices and yeah. so now you can grab them faster it's like when someone yeah. asks you know think you of go from the world is your oyster to uh something on the beach might be an yes. oyster and your instinct might be creativity i want to blow the door wide open and have all of my options and sometimes sometimes that's okay but more than likely if you're struggling you need to create a constraint oh whenever i get asked to preach you know the pastor will say preach them whenever you want i hate that because yeah. I will spend 80% of the time deciding what to preach on. And I will ask my pastor, give me give me the topic. I don't care if it's a difficult passage. I don't care. When you're scared to preach on, you know, give me the passage because I can spend from now until the day I preach preparing that message. If you And they'll say, well, you're so creative. Preach anything you want. I go, I'm creative, yes, but I need that seed. You give me that seed, I'm going to plant it, and it's going to be growing from the moment you say it to me. I'm going to start going, oh, 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 Bible mm-hmm. passage, object lesson, you know. But until you give me that seed, so what you're saying is you got to give that to yourself. And, and that's that, that's so powerful. You're exactly right. And the and I might come up with other ones as we're talking, but the one big one that I want to make sure to say is that 
so often less is more. And it took me a really long time to learn that. So in the context of a, a presentation, if I know that I want to creatively act out David and Goliath, right? I might think, well, I need the big budget and we need to make sure we've got this giant Goliath and we got to make sure we have the big sling. And, and I might get caught up in trying to actualize all of this creativity. So when someone looks, they go, look at that creativity. Yeah. But the truth is, the more you leave to the imagination, the more it, it connects because they're creating, they're filling in the gaps in their mind. Yeah, totally. And, our, and they might make it more creative than you even made it. And it's been so good because not only does it connect with them more, it's less stuff I have to carry in the room. <laughs> exactly. And believe me, I have built the nine-foot Goliath with the head, the toggles, and the slingshot. And, and that's great, but not necessarily necessary. You know, combining your movement and music, um, mm -hmm. one thing I have found, and it's one of my secrets, is, man, if I'm in my office and I'm facing a, a struggle or a problem, I get out of my office and, uh, mm. and it may be going to a, a park nearby. It may be putting on the headphones and putting on some, some Pandora. Um, I have a movie soundtracks channel on Pandora that I love. And, um, and then yeah, just, just walking, getting out of the situation, a little away from the pressure helps. Um, you shared with me once something about some engineers and playfulness. Can you tell them about that? That was awesome. Yes, there was a, an, a day where uh, a company was bringing in a bunch of engineers. I mean, these are the smartest of the smart. They solve problems with math and equations and detail that I, I could never comprehend at this phase of my life, probably ever, if I'm honest. Yeah. And so I'm going into this thinking, wow, I'm going to be doing magic. They're probably going to be trying to figure it out. This is going to be a problem to solve. But I'm, They're gonna I'm figure going, out all your tricks. Yes, but I'm going in there like, well, you know, let's just have a good time. And what I find out when I get there is they have spent the first four hours, which was the problem-solving time, not solving any problems, but they've been playing. And I look around at these engineers, these genius minds, and they're throwing red balls around this room. They're playing tag. They've got Twister over here. They've got board games. And if I were a CEO of a big company and I saw that I was paying all these salaries for these guys to play games, I might pull my hair out. I might think this is a waste of time. Yeah. But the beauty of the people hosting this was they realized that it was going to put them in a mind space, in a head space, that when it came to, now how would you really solve this problem? Carl, I got an email back later saying they loved the magic, that they were able to just enjoy it. It was just fun for them. They didn't have to solve it. But more importantly, they addressed so many problems they had been working for months to fix. And wow. it was all play. It was all just letting go, forgetting about the problem, and just interacting with each other, breaking down these walls and rules, and just letting go. You know, it's funny that you uh, mentioned that because I had a similar thing happen, and I didn't think of it in that context. Um, years ago, one of my churches, I, I had a monthly meeting with my team, and uh, and we just had a bunch of issues. They were staffing issues, personnel issues. Um, I don't remember the particulars of them. I just remembered I was dreading our monthly meeting because I knew mm. these ladies are all going to get together. They're all awesome gals, love the Lord, great leaders. But I feared it was going to be a, a gripe session. And I don't mean that to insult them, but just that there were just a lot of overwhelming problems with no solutions in sight. I wanted to cancel the meeting, but then I feared that would be interpreted as being cowardly or sticking my head in the sand. But I also knew they were going to want answers and solutions for me and I had none to give. And, um, and so I thought, what do I do? So I decided, um, 
because they often bring their kids to the meeting, I hired a babysitter um, and I rented a van. And when they all got there, we opened in prayer. They all had their notebook. And I could tell they were they were ready to go. I mean, I they just had boom, 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 Carl. Da, da, da. And I said, okay, tonight we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, mm. Follow me. Leave all your papers here. Um, I got a babysitter for the kids. And we went out to the parking lot. And I said, everybody in the van, they're like, where are you taking us? And I said, it's a surprise, you know. So I drove them to a mini golf place. And I and when we got there, we pulled in. I mean, I, it, this was not, woo, in the van. This was like a bunch of responsible women, business women, <laughs> moms, you know, PTA presidents, whatever. And they're looking at me like, okay, the goofy kids pastor you know, not taking his job seriously. They were they were mad. I mean, they didn't say it. They all liked me. Where it was all friendly, but I could tell they thought this was a bad stewardship of of mm. our time and resources. But mm-hmm. I said, I said, hey, we're just gonna play uh, one round, and then we'll go back to the church and finish our meeting. So it was kind of like, all right, they, they were putting. By the third hole, I started cheating. And that loosened things up, and then they caught me moving the ball. By the end, it was laughter and. Fun. I don't remember who won. I don't think anyone legitimately won because all the cheating had started ticking. But it was a playful night. We got back to the church. There was laughing and fun. Mm. And, and then I said, okay, now now we'll continue our meeting. They were like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, we, we'd make some phone calls. By the next month, every issue had been resolved. And and what's interesting, when you told me that story about the engineers, you know, I originally have, I've shared the story many times, but what I've shared it in the context of you know, the, the team that plays together stays together. And for me, I wanted to have a positive experience instead of just a negative experience. And I usually share that story in the context of it's God's ministry, not ours. And it's not our job to solve the problems. It's God's and, and God will, he, can, you know, we can't care about the ministry more than him and that he resolved all those issues over the next month. And all that's true. But when you yeah. shared that story, it made me think, there was another whole dynamic at play that I accidentally stumbled upon. And that was that when they went and played and came back laughing and back slapping and kidding and joking, there was a creative energy that was created that actually helped Ooh. them tackle those problems. They didn't even see the problems as that big of a deal anymore. And granted, they still had to make the phone calls and do the work and they were all dedicated, hard workers. Um, but they went about it in a completely different way. And, and I think that playfulness was even more powerful than maybe I even strategically realized at the time. Yeah. And I have to remind myself of that. It's easy for me to say that sometimes I don't make play a part of my rhythm. And now that my wife and I uh, have a one-year-old, that's, that's a part of my every day. And I make sure that I get on the floor and we hold up the toys and, you know, as they get older and if you could have the chance to be around kids, they're experts at playing yeah. and they're experts at imagination. And sometimes we don't need to go to the, you know, the, the most creative adult we know. Sometimes we just need to go hang out with some kids. Yeah, it's fun. Like right now, I know this podcast will, will probably long outlast this current thing, but I'm enjoying this iPad game called uh, or phone game called Clash Royale. Mm. And uh, I've started a little Kidman clan. And uh, we've got a group of children's pastors and their kids all playing this game. And, uh, and it's a way I connect with my son because I'll turn on the game at work. Shh, don't tell my boss. And, uh, oh, he might be watching this. Sorry, Pastor Gene. And, uh, but, you know, I can play a three-minute game if I catch him on. 
you know, and it's none of that resource gathering and all that stuff, which becomes a time sucker. Um, but mm. there's a bunch of children's pastors in there and their kids, but it's playful and it's fun. It's short little part of your day. Um, but that kind of, like, I carry a spinner. I don't have it in my pocket right now. Oh, yeah, there, here's my spinner. Woo! You know, because the kids are into the spinners. I even got an orange one to match my Jeep. Um, but um, just carrying one of these around, that playfulness um, is, is so powerful. And uh, but it helps you come up with ideas. Yeah, so and because cool. yeah, ultimately play is imagination, and that's why engineers were able to solve complex problems, not in the type of creativity that we're probably going to use as children's pastors and entertainers, but because they've tapped into their imagination. All right. So, in summary, if you want to be more creative, a you've you've got to start being more creative. Don't say I can't do that and turn it off. Take that courage. Push into it. Try some things. Don't be afraid yes. of failure. Um, prep yourself with some music or movement. Uh, close mm-hmm. the door. You know, pull the blind. Whatever. Do some aerobics. Get out of the office. Uh, but really, it's just saying I can do this. You know, and and trying it. And then you'll see some success. And nothing's really, I think, in ministry a failure. I mean, I love the um, the quote from um, I wanted to say Einstein. No, Edison. When he uh, invented the light bulb, he had a thousand experiments that failed. And someone said, well, what, what was it like to fail a thousand times? And he went back and said, I never failed. I successfully discovered a thousand ways not to create light. Mm. So, so even our failures, they move us toward the correct solution. Um, but then also being willing to ask questions and bold questions and questions from every angle. And then, and then being willing to go where those answers take us it might be a hole in the wall it might be another staff person it might be canceling a ministry you know it might be you know swapping rooms um because we we tend to start with a a can't do attitude or that or we tried that before and it needs to be like no what matters is now not what we did in the past not what someone else tried in the past um obviously prayer is a big big part of that component should go without saying but i'm saying it so i guess it doesn't go without saying um, and then just and then recognizing creativity around us and going, how can I emulate that in the workshop at group? I'm going to actually go through some. I don't want to give it all away in the podcast, but I'm going to actually go through some categories of thought um, in the Kid Church Cookbook, which is our my Kid Church book. I actually uh, uh, have a little thing called the Creative Idea Thingamajigger. Um, ah. Creative idea. And what I did is I was working on Kid Church, and I was like, how do I come up with these ideas? So what I did is I thought, well, there's only uh, I I, I um, brought down stories to four ways to tell a story, okay? You can act it out, you can use props, you can use the kids, you can do it visually. Or I brought down games, all right? There's basically, I said, four types of games. A speed game, a relay game, a guessing game, and a conflict game. And obviously there's more. But I tried to bring eight categories like contests. You can have a collecting contest, a remembering contest, a bringing something contest, or a finding contest. And so what I did is I, I made this little give me an idea that people on video can see this. And then you turn inside, so like idea, I-D-E-A. And then you go, okay, skit, S-K-I-T. And then you turn up skit. Oh, wow. And you go wrong way. Uh, so, you, uh, so I need to create a skit that would be the wrong way to do this. Or instant skit. That's where you pull people up on stage and you make up a skit on the spot. The actors try to do what you say that they're doing. All right, Or a what if skit. And that's where you create a scenario and they act out. Then the characters freeze. And then you say, all right, what do you guys think is going to happen? 
and you can do an A, B, or C, or whatever. And then a conflict resolution skit is where you create the conflict, you freeze, and then you say, how should they resolve that? But um, but I this is part of the Kitcher's cookbook. I've literally had women tell me they carry this in their purse, or I've had guys say they keep this in their back pocket, so when they need a creative idea, they just whip out their creative idea thinking of a jigger. Um, That's but, so good. But this was my creative idea of a way to say, and I use this, you know, like I wrote this, but this has like thousands of ideas in it because if I'm doing David and Goliath, you know, I go, okay, um, I can act it out. I can use props. Like you said, get the slingshot. I can use the kids. I can pick the littlest kid to be Goliath and the biggest kid to be David just to be funny. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. I can make it visual. Visual means I can uh, obviously show a video. That's the wimp out. I can draw it on overheads. I can get a whiteboard and illustrate it that way. I can make posters. Um, for a game, a speed game. Well, how many kids can run and find five rocks in a bin the fastest? Or a relay, they have to run and put armor on. Or a guessing game, how many rocks are in this jar? Um, a conflict game, where you could have two targets and two kids shooting slingshots of Nerf balls at a target and who hits it first. So I just went through, and what it did is it helped me go, instead of going, okay, I need something for David and Goliath. See, I don't, I that blank piece of paper, but this gives me... What is uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 times 4, 32 ideas, right? Did I do my math right? 8, 12, 8, yeah, 8, 16, yeah, 32. <laughs> I might be good at creativity, but I'm terrible at math. Um, <laughs> but I have like 32 ideas, boom, right there. And, of course, each of these can be more than one idea. And, um, and so this was something I came up with as a creativity trigger. And you need your own creativity triggers. That's so good. And that's yes. what I'm going to do in, in the workshop at Kidman Conferences. I'm going to I'm going to give you a bunch of creativity triggers, but then we're going to break into groups and actually use some of those triggers. And and, br- and I'm hoping folks will bring some of their problems, some of their issues, some of their challenges with them. We'll talk about what those are. Put them on three by five cards, and they're going to go through some triggers. And some of those, and people are going to help them. Well, what are some of the questions they need to ask to address that issue? And what are some of the potential answers? And then they're going to go home, and they're going to know what to ask. They're going to think about who I need to ask these questions to. Um, Some of it's asking God, asking the boss, asking other leaders, asking themselves, asking their wife. You know, people think kidology is awesome. They have no idea how much of it is Sarah. Um, mm. telling me stuff that then I go and, you know, put on kidology. Um, so, you know, you know, your sources of creativity and, and, and they'll, they'll be in your life. So, Hey, I want to wrap this up, but Hey, this is your final chance here. Uh, final words, you know, creativity. You are, uh, I mean, I look up to you as a creative person. Um, just the magic kit that you've created that I'll put mm. in the show notes. Um, and that it's not just a magic kit, but it also has some really cool, um, coachable things for kids and performing and some traits that they need to look, uh, at developing their lives as a performer. I love that. Um, you've done a lot of creative stuff. You've had some really neat jobs over, over the years where you've gotten Mm -hmm. to tap into that creativity. Yeah. A final remark, I would say, boy, when we have a really, really creative idea, we want people to know it was ours. And if we have a really, really bad idea, we don't want to take claim for that. Yeah. The challenge is you don't know which is go- it's going to be. And yes. so I have found you have to remove yourself from the idea. It takes humility. But I like to picture ideas like a red rubber ball. And sometimes, if you can, if you can get a ball, you can write on a Sharpie with ideas, especially if it's brainstorming. Just Ooh, I like or that. Meta- 
or metaphorically, you have to picture the idea out here. And if someone doesn't like it and they kick it away or someone wants to look at it from a different perspective, it's not you that they're attacking and it's not you that they're changing and it's not you that is wrong or this or that. You have to separate it from yourself and realize if this works really well, it works really well. Thank you, God. And if it doesn't work really well, okay, what can I learn from this? Yeah. Or who can I give credit? This was actually my wife in the example you just gave. So if you can separate yourself from it, it'll create so much freedom for you to not to find your identity in the creativity, but just to let the identity or let the creativity just naturally be yeah, created. Yeah, and one thing I do as a leader often is I don't say, here's something we're going to do. I always say, here's something we're going to try. You know, it's yeah. like, so like when I introduce this balloons sticker thing, to me, it's a great idea, right? I, I can't anticipate that, I don't know, some kid's going to be allergic to Myler. Um, you know, other kids are going to want the smiley stickers and maybe they're going to cry because he got a smiley sticker and I didn't get a smiley sticker. In other words, I can't anticipate where six weeks from now they're going to be like, Carl, the balloon sticker thing, it didn't fly for whatever reason. It may be something we do for the next three years. So if I introduce it as, uh, here's what we're going to start doing now for visitors. Well, now if, if it doesn't fly for whatever, you know, humorous or serious reasons, now they've got to come to me and, and break it to me, or they may not want to because I'm the new guy and they want to encourage me. But if I just say, hey, here's something we're going to try. I've bought three dozen balloons. Um, you know, when it comes time to reorder, hey, should I reorder more balloons or should we try something else? Because it also could wow. just get old in six months. So presenting it as an experiment, if you expect, if you, everything you do, if you do it as an experiment, then, then there's no, then it's not on me. They're not saying, Carl, you're bad. They might say your idea, we get your intentions. You just wanted visitors to feel special, you know? And so that try is powerful. Carl, I hope every one of our listeners gets to this very end and doesn't get distracted or get home before they can finish this on the podcast. That right there. I love that. I'm taking that. All right, cool. Cool. Well, I hope you'll take it and try it. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a great time. Uh, Johnny, thank you so much for joining me here on Kidman Talk. We're going to link uh, to your website. If you're in the Indianapolis area, um, having Johnny out to your event. Um, you do birthday parties all the way to corporate events, right? I do it all. You do it all. It'd be great to have Johnny there. He also does some video work, so you have to contact him about that. That's his full-time profession. It's what he's been trained in. And um, so uh, if that's a need you have, um, he might just be your ticket. And I think that you can do globally uh, with the Internet. So, hey, I'd love to hear your feedback. Be sure to comment in the Facebook group that's linked down below if you're watching this on, on the show notes. and uh, Or you can email me, Carl, at KidmanTalk.com or Twitter. You can tweet me. Um, uh, the real kidologist. No, that's Donald Trump. Uh, the kidologist or uh, at Kidman Talk. Love to hear from you. Until next time, number 99, this is Carl. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.